Uh, it's four, right? Three. Four. What? What are you talking about? It's three. I can't believe we're still having this conversation. Oh, you're shocked. You're the one who just brought it up when you waltzed in here like, oh, hey, it's four, right? I mean, sure, I just wanted to check, but now I've said it out loud, I'm sure it's four. Since when? Forever. Don't you sandlot me. Don't you ever sandlot me. And it's three. Listen to you. You sound ridiculous. Oh, I do. Okay, why don't you just say six then? Because I know it's not six. Obviously, it can't be any higher than three. All right, fine. Where's my player's handbook? Stephen Colbert's chewing on it. Well, go get it. I don't see how this is going to help. Stephen, can I... Stephen! Give me the book. Here you go. Yeah, I'll show you with your three. There. A level one monk can make four strikes when they expend a key point to use flurry of blows. Oh, yeah, of course. Then what were you arguing? Well, I thought you were asking how many cast members from Saved by the Bell were smoochable. Oh, yeah. Well, there's Kelly. Jesse. And Slater. Exactly. Start the show? Oh, yeah. Where's my mini-disc player? Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it. Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How to range? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, it's Garen. And I'm Dan, and this week we honor one man... One very prolific man named Darren Kenny. Darren is our kind of guy because he just can't stop himself from creating character options, and he's pretty self-deprecating about it. As of this recording, Darren has 42 different products available on DMs Guild, ranging from single alternate subclasses to compilations, like the Elemental Cleric Domain book that I use for our kids episode, and he even has a few original classes that he drew from his weird little brain. We dove into this deluge of work and found the pieces that really suited us best for today's episode. Man, it fits me like a pair of joggers in the winter. Or summer, spring, fall. I wear joggers constantly now. And I work from home, so I don't have to wear pants. Well, Dan, your legs may be cold, but I know your heart is warm, because I'm sure you have written another beautiful backstory for your episode this week inspired by Darren's work, and without any further delay, take us there. You've got it. Matrata was born in the Underdark. You know, like all Arachne. After all, Arachne are humanoid spider-like being. Towering in height, they certainly push the limits of a medium creature, and Matrata is no exception. At seven feet tall, he must hunch in the depths of the Underdark to make his way around. 
As a Deepwalker variant of the Arachne, however, Mitrata has actually never seen the light of day. Worse yet, he was imprisoned by Lolth when he was just a boy into one of her labor camps. Lolth found his appearance especially unsightly and assigned him to the most dangerous of tasks an Arachne can get, a tunneler. Forced to mine the Underdark to tunnel further and further out, expanding their reach, this task was commonly associated with, well, death at a young age due to the frequency of falling boulders, debris, and collapsing earth. Mitrata was no stranger to this danger as he had successfully evaded death at a moment's notice a number of times. Dodging out of his way of the path of a boulder here, dancing his way past a mountain of falling rubble there. His fellow prisoners were astounded by his fancy footwork and quick reaction times. Word spread quickly amongst the labor camp, so much so that Loth herself caught wind of the adroit Deepwalker and immediately pulled him from the tunneling mines and into a team of special ops soldiers at the age of nine years old. His quick reactions made him a suitable ultimate line of defense in their infiltration special ops corps. This specialized group moves quickly and quietly throughout the Underdark and clears out all oppositional foes at the most inopportune times for them. They're comprised of a front line of brutes, a middle line of mid-ranged archer combatants, and that ultimate line who hide in the cavernous crags and nooks of the Underdark and quickly address any of the foes that attempt to get away. Not just anyone can pull off this ultimate line as lightning quick reflexes are required, which made Mitrata uniquely suited for this task. He's carried out many missions on behalf of Lul's special ops corps and slowly has worked his way through the ranks. Mitrata is a level nine deep walker arachne. The race and sub race is from a supplement off of DM's guild called Arachnid Options by ERF Jordan. And he is a poised duelist, which is a original class from Darren Kenny. He is also possessing the soldier background quite suitably. I am excited to dive into this really unique class and subclass this week from Darren Kenny. Oh, fantastic. I love that he earned his keep. And I love that there's a whole supplement out there of just spider people with sub races. I can't wait to check that out myself. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And there's actually some subclasses in that very same supplement. So it's definitely worth a read. But Garen, enough of me. What do you have for us this week? Y'all ready for this? Okay. Deep within the Blue Mountains lived a community of miners and merchants. The Silverhands clan grew into prosperity through rich silver veins that they lovingly harvested and sold all around the world. Persia served her family well, putting in time both in the mines and the marketplace, showing strength, intelligence, and even better than average rapport with the other races. She loved her work and took great pride in the success of her clan, but she was often scolded for being distracted or daydreaming. She would explain that something had always just been moving at the edge of her vision, or light seemed to shift in an unnatural way, but as no one else witnessed these phenomena, her claims were cast aside. On the night of a celebration following enormous sale of silver to the men of Bree, Hersia sat over her untouched plate as a feeling of dread took her and refused to let go. As her uncle Borin Silverhands rose to give a toast to the clan toast for their hard work, Hersia saw what looked like a long and twisted spirit step out of the wall behind Borin and reach into his chest. Borin began to choke and gasp. Several dwarves sprang to help as they thought he was choking, but their actions did nothing to relieve his torment as the spirit wrenched at his chest. Hersia rushed to her uncle's side, hardly stopping to grab an axe that belonged to her warrior ancestors off the wall and took a mighty swing at the spirit. The axe bit deep into the phantom's body and it screeched, evaporating before its scream faded. 
Persia collapsed to her knees and then looked up to check on Boren and found herself surrounded by horrified faces. She just tried to kill Boren! She's a murderer! Hang her by the feet! Her explanations fell on deaf ears. Persia was bound and thrown into a freshly empty storage cavern as her clan decided what to do with her next. As she lay weeping, there was a shimmer of light, and she saw the axe lying on the ground before her. In her head, she heard a voice. You saved him, just as you can save others. Before she could respond, the axe disappeared, and she somehow felt it lie inside of her chest next to her heart. In the morning, her clan cast her out with nothing but her clothes and a small sack of silver. Standing in the gray morning, Persia reached out her hand and called to the axe. So I have created a level nine dwarf of the Blue Mountains, which I took from the Breland Regions Guide, which is a product of the Cubicle 7 company, which made Adventures in Middle Earth. We featured them twice last year. And so this is a dwarven race inspired by Lord of the Rings. And my class from the great man Darren Kenny is the Grave Warden, which... I absolutely love this when I read it. So here's a quick preview as to what you're to expect, because this is inspired by the Soul Reaper from the anime Bleach. And so I am combining two of my favorite things with Lord of the Rings and Bleach. This is a Blade Master Grave Warden, and I took the Driven from Home background from the Adventures in Middle Earth player guide. So that is the character I bring today, and I'm very excited about her. I can't tell if she's misunderstood or just innately evil. I don't want to spoil it. We'll get there. We'll get there. She sounds like she has some high dexterity, though. There's no doubt about that. I mean, she does all right. I mean, I bet she does pretty good on her feet. Probably can't trip. Oh, jeez. Oh, yes. This episode is brought to you in part by Cantrip Candles, the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, sketchy hideouts, putrid dungeons, or this week's spotlight, Gold Wheat Bakery, with its notes of yeast, bread, and flour to exemplify the homemade flavor of Darren's products. But to be honest, you can find a scent for all of your adventures with their sampler pack, which offer nine of their scents for a great low price. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of those scents, we're happy to announce that you now can, and actually Garen's going to help you cover some of those costs. What? When you enter the code LABRAT at checkout, you receive 10% off your total purchase, and the residual gets sent to Garen's house. So if you want to give Garen a nice big invoice... I got kids. Order up. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Cantrip Candles, and no thank you, Dan. Now, if you guys are just joining us, we are about to enter the scoring phase. Now, normally, we take these nine categories that we have decided best explain a character, and we score each one with a minus two to positive two. But this week, Dan and I talked before the recording, and we realized we both chose martial classes. And we are literally sitting in our massive laboratory that we record this show in. And our walls are positively lined with weapons. So I thought, why don't we do this a little differently? Dan and I are going to take this one category at a time. And we are going to argue who did better in each category. The winner will get to choose a weapon off the wall and strike the loser with it. Whoever has the most blood or is still standing at the end of the episode will be the winner. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, it's melee, baby. 2019. Let's get violent in 2019. Now, normally we have a charisma save where we use to fortify our opinion each week in one category. Not today. No, we are going to be using a constitution save because this is about 
toughening it out. So we'll be using the Constitution modifier for our character, and that'll just be in the one category where we think we need that extra boost. And you know what they say, so, there's no crying in character building. There's definitely going to be some tears in the lab today, though, Dan. Why don't you start us off with the melee category? I hope you're ready, because I know I am. Why, certainly. Gonna be arguably my strongest category, okay? This is the duelist, very melee forward. I have two attacks with a plus nine to hit with two short swords. Yes, plus nine to hit, two short swords, and I took the dual wielder feat. So I get four attacks, 1d6 plus three, 36 total damage per round. And one of my favorite things that Darren did with this class is he also gave the duelist two reactions per turn. And he utilizes the reactions better than anything I've seen in 5th edition so far. So there's something called a heart of stone. So whenever a creature attacks and misses you, you can use a reaction to make a counterattack. Nice. Also, if for some reason I don't have my short swords at my disposal, I also have venomous teeth as part of an arachne race trait. Of course you Uh, do. That's right. It deals out 1d6 plus 3 poison damage. It's just nasty spider teeth so i'm arguing a plus two here i'm not arguing for anything other than just to win this round because i really want to hit you with a weapon boy i'm going to use my reaction to cringe and hope right now so herja has this spiritual battle axe his name is bruni Cavemouth because he is actually a spirit not like a sentient weapon but he is a spirit that inhabits this battle axe and she is magically bonded to it it does provide her some bonuses including an increase in her two hit and damage. So she has a plus eight to hit. She does 1d10 plus four slashing damage with two attacks. That is a potential for 28 damage, pretty close to you. But, But I'm not done. The magic weapons that the Grave Warden receives, they're imbued with extra powers. Darren set up a bunch of example weapons that are inspired by fire, ice, things like that. I used one called the Shattered Star. So my axe crits on a 19 or 20. My axe re-rolls damage die when I roll a 1. So those things come into play into my melee category. That bumps up my overall damage output. So while I may be like 8 off the pace on you, I've got a little bit extra there. And I got more I'm going to reveal later, because if you awaken your blade, and you don't want me to awaken my blade on you, Dan, but if you do, it gets so much more powerful. I know, yeah, you're doing big talk. Not going to save you from getting hit from the first melee weapon, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and grab this, uh, yep, I'm going to grab this boomerang here. Do you know how to throw a boomerang? Yeah, I sure do. Brace yourself, buddy. Ow! Oh! It got me right over the eye. All right, good throw. What do you have in ranged? Nothing. Nothing? Nah. While I tell you what I have in ranged, I'm going to start searching the walls here. Because when I awaken my blade, one of the bonuses I get is shards break off of my blade. And they hover around my head. And as a bonus action, I can send one of those shards flying at a target, dealing 1d4 plus 1 piercing damage. It's not a lot, but it's better than nothing. Ooh. You know what doesn't get used enough in D&D? The sickle. You know what else doesn't get used enough? Saving throws. Go ahead and roll for that minus one. All right. If I fail this roll, you can hit me again. I have a plus two to my constitution, so I need to get a, what is the DC? I think it's a nine on a minus one. All right. I got to get a seven or better. I rolled a 10. Sickle time, baby. Yeah. All right, dude. You didn't have to hit me that hard. 
Well, I really wanted to get that hooked blade like yeah, around your backside. Threw blood right in the deltoid. Yikes, man. Definitely going to have to call out of work tomorrow. We are just getting warmed up here. Let's move into the burninating category. God. Hey, Stephen Colbert, get me a Band-Aid. Steven! No poop on the floor, Bubba. Another factor of being the Grave Warden is you have access to soul arts. These are magic-style abilities that you use by expending soul points. And you have a certain number based on your level. You can access certain tiers of abilities based on your level. So at level 9, I have access up to tier 3. And I got a couple here, including the Thunder Song, which is a 15-foot cone that deals 2d10 thunder damage and knocks enemies back. And I also have the Ever-Connected Storm, which is a melee spell attack, which deals 2d10 lightning damage. And the target can't take reactions. That would be crippling to your spider duelist boy here. And finally, trait number five of my Shattered Star, Awakened Blade. When it is awakened, which I should touch on right now, you can awaken it a number of times equal to half of your proficiency rounded up per long rest. So, of course, right now I can do it two times per long rest. So when I have trait number five going, it is a bonus action to gain advantage on my next attack and increase that damage by 1d10 force damage until the end of the turn. So I'm feeling pretty good about my burninating here. That's all very impressive, and I have no magic, so do your worst, oh, sir. Oh, that boomerang wound on my head is not feeling bad at all anymore. It's got a little bit of a hematoma, dude. It is super purple. But you know what? I'm going to get you a matching one right here. I'm going to grab the sling, and I'm going to load it up with this paperweight that has a little cactus in it. Yeah, my eyeball came out. Yep. Oh, it's gone. Oh, gosh. Yep. Left eye is gone. So that's all right. It was my worst eye anyway. That's fine. Do, do you want me to look for it? Uh, Steven! Eyeball. All right, well. Steven, uh, Steven does know fetch eyeball for those of you listening at home. Moving into control. Can't read my show notes. Uh, but I believe it says that I have two things. Tactical retreat which is a feature that allows me to move five feet in any direction after an opponent has successfully hit me with a melee attack. It does not incur any attacks of opportunity when you use it. So you can take a reaction, allows you to move in any direction after a hit. Also, nice. the Deepwalker Arachne have dark vision of 120 feet, which any vision at this point would come in handy for me. I'm arguing a zero there. I, obviously, we're going to argue for winning and losing category, but I feel like I'm pretty middle of the road there for control. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a tough call, because here's what I've got. Unnatural speed, where I use a bonus action to move half of my speed, and attacks against me are made with disadvantage. I use that once per long rest. That's just a feature of being a Grave Warden. I also have the Crushing Wind, which is a soul art. So here's the thing about soul arts. This is a cool feature that I forgot to mention when I first brought these up. Is you actually use a bonus action to prepare the soul art, and then... You have a number of rounds equal to your proficiency before you must use it, or it just gets expended. So you have to prepare it, and then you have to have it ready, because then you have to use an action to use it. Some of them are reactions, but or you have to use a full action to cast it. So I have Crushing Wind, which the target must succeed on a strength save, or they become restrained, and I can use my action to maintain that on subsequent turns. That is a pretty neat feature, but I just love the imagery of the energy just pressing down on them, and all I'm doing is holding out my hand. So they have to succeed on a strength save. Oh, okay, strength save. Against my wisdom, which is pretty low. Okay, okay, so you could just keep that going, keep it going. Uh, oh, thank you, Steven. Yeah, uh, does anybody have regenerate? 
Anybody in the lab? No. We got a bunch just, of characters here that are just sitting here doing nothing. Well, it's not their episode yet. One more thing, and that is Blade Master's Bond. I have advantage on disarming attacks, and attacks to disarm me have disadvantage. And I can use a bonus action to return my axe to my hand, even if it's on another plane. So, this is a tough call, because I feel like, while my crushing wind is pretty cool, my DC is really low that they could succeed on. Other features kind of balance out. I think I'm gonna make you do your con save. I'll put it all on the line for this. If you pass it, you win. If you fail, I win. Fair enough. You know what? I'm putting my eyeball in for this one. Dan, Dan, oh, jeez, you put it in backwards, bro. Nope. We're, uh, here we go, I've got a... Oh, I rolled a 19, I don't even need to know what my... Oh. I don't even need to know. So, let me go ahead and see, uh, yeah, we got some, uh, yeah, here's a garden spade. Come here, buddy. I'm just gonna jam this right in your butt. Yep, there it is. Oh! Didn't even pull it out. Don't sit down. I can't, why would I sit down? I'm a human stool at this point. Oh, speaking of stool, uh, I... Nope. Don't think you can do that anymore. <laughs> Ever. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, how tanky is you? I'm arguing a plus two here, so I think this is a real strong category. For a D8 class, this is super beefy. 81 HP, AC of 15. That dual wielder feat gives me a plus one to the AC. But also, the duelist allows you to take a stance. I chose the turtle stance, which allows you to decrease attacks against you that actually land and hit by 1d6 as a reaction. Like I said, you can do a lot of stuff as a reaction. I'm, I'm really loving this flavor. Yeah. The other part of Heart of Stone is if you do not want to move on a turn, you can actually enjoy a plus two to your AC until the start of your next turn. There's also something called Counterpoint, which whenever you're reduced to zero hit points, you get one final attack before you fall every time. If that attack reduces the enemy to zero HP, you're reduced actually to one HP and you remain conscious. Oh, what a baller move that is. Additionally, capitalizing on these reactions, I took the defensive duelist feat. You can use a oh. reaction, add your proficiency bonus to that AC on a successful hit against you, AC of 19. Boom. Every single time. I've got two reactions. Also, spider blood allows for advantage for saving throws against the poison conditions, and also I have resistance to poison damage. That's an arachne feature. I feel very strong in tankiness. Give me what you got. Man, okay, that was good. I think I can stack up against this. 108 HP, base AC of 16, but I also got some AC tricks up my sleeve. I took a Virtue, which is the Adventures of Middle-Earth equivalent to feats, and I took Durin's Way, where if I am underground, I receive a plus one bonus to my AC, and I get a plus one to all of my deck saves while I'm underground. I have a soul art called Repulse, where if I prepare it with a bonus action, I can use my reaction to grant myself plus five AC, which is like the shield spell. I also have a feature of my magic battle axe. If I command the word fall and the four shards break off and circle around me my ac increases by one for every two shards that are active around me so that's bumping my base ac up to an 18 and i can use my reaction while that is active to reduce an incoming attack by one per shard that i use now these shards break and don't count towards my ac anymore but I have that AC of 18, someone attacks me with a 19, I use two of those shards, bring it down to a 17, and I'm clear for that round. And I have a feature called Endless Resolve, where I can spend up to three hit die and gain that much in temporary HP once per long rest, kind of like a second wind. 
Interesting. A little bit of healing going on. But as far as strictly tanky, boy, every single turn I'm able to get an AC of 19 as a reaction. And if something comes in and hits me, I can reduce that by a D6 and not just some measly little shard of glass. And you're expending that once you're done with it. It's done. I get to do this every single time. I'm arguing this is my game right here. Man... Yeah, because there's not often, unless I got that crushing win on you, that you are without reactions. So, uh, I gotta bow out Spl on this one. Yeah, splay, splay your hand right there on the on my desk. Oh, geez, what are you gonna do? Meat cleaver, baby. Going for the. Pinkies. Oh no! Yeah. And just mm. the tip. Stop overreacting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can never drink a tea fancy again. All right, uh, all right, let's take it into ally assist. I'm going to get this over with quick. My ally assist is that I have a talking axe friend. What do you got? I have something called weak spot, which as a bonus oh, action no. allows me to identify an opponent's weaknesses or vulnerabilities, if any, and I can share that with the party. I'm arguing a minus one here, but you certainly don't have anything better than that. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right, uh, let me just staunch my finger here. Yep. This is a toothbrush with a razor blade on it. Why do we have that? <laughs> it's a prison shank. In case <laughs> I ever go away. I'm just going to shave your earlobe. Oh! Oh, there goes my dream of having hoop earrings. Yeah. Is your, uh, is your wife going to be cool with this? You no longer have a pinky tip, and your earlobe is gone on your right ear. I, on the other hand, came out unscathed. Look. My eye's fine. Your eyeball's backwards. And your back is still bleeding pretty profusely, bro. How balanced are you? I think I'm pretty balanced for the duelist. I have a strength of 11, dex of 17, con of 12, intelligence of 13, wisdom of 13, charisma of 10. A proficiency in acrobatics, I like to call it arachnobatics, insight, perception, and saving throws in dexterity and intelligence. Okay, but you know what? That's good, and that's good for the duelist, but I have made one of the most overall balanced characters I've ever seen in the lab. Don't you ready for this? That. Oh, no. Strength of 14, dex of 12, con of 14, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 11, charisma of 14. Those are, boom, right across the board. Yeah, that doesn't I don't really have any low numbers. I almost have modifiers and everything. What are you going to do to me? Okay. Oh, you bowing out on this one? You know what? You've been relishing this a lot with your with your weird little weapons. I got something for you. I've been hiding this. I've been working in our lab garage for the last three months to make a proton pack. What? Yeah. Dude, that's not a melee weapon. What are you doing? We've already used a sling and a boomerang. What you worried about? Okay, so let's see. Proton packs obviously work on ghosts, but ghosts are just spirits. And if you've got a spirit in you, this is bound to do something, right? Hold still. Oh! Oh, dude, I think that's just a flamethrower. My you pants are, are on fire. You're smoking a little bit. Oh. And not in like the cool Jim Carrey way. No, your, oh, pants are, your pants are a little bit on fire. You know what? I need to take a break. I forgot to talk to the listeners. Hey, listeners, we were supposed to talk about this in Ally Assist, but I just want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on on our Patreon. We're going to need the money for health insurance after this episode, okay? Our bonus episodes for the month of February were a fight club that saw me running the gauntlet, and I fought monsters starting at CR0, and it increased until my character finally bit the dust. And then on the 15th, I interviewed a real-life mimic while Garen was off searching for skeletons in his family's graveyard. 
Now, while we've released a playable race of kangaroos and sorcerer class that our patrons built inspired by Hellboy, there's something better yet. We've also been dropping previews of the next DMs Guild product that we're working on, and we're having fun with ridiculous chatbots in our Discord. Our patrons also have exclusive access to the character sheets for the builds that we feature every single week, as well as the episodes from our show nine days ahead of time when they're available to everybody else. Head on over to our Patreon page, see the available tiers, and pick one that's right for you just like we're picking the weapons that match us today. Your support will help us continue to grow and maybe even regenerate some body parts. Nicely done, Dan. Really, really eloquent. I can't feel my face. Okay, so we're going to move into our charisma scenario, which is submitted by one of our patrons. This one is courtesy of our friend Cheyenne Harris. And Cheyenne writes in, A few months into a relationship with a tabaxi mage, you find a folio with the spell True Polymorph and a series of former identities with corresponding sketches, indicating that this person's name and race are likely recent and selected, rather than just innate. This person has never had to worry about money. So you are not sure whether the changes are extreme self-expression and modification or part of some sort of con. What do you do? Your girlfriend's pulling a Tom Ripley, you know? It happens. Well, I have feature in my race called Arachnid Eyes. It gives me proficiency in perception. This combined with my proficiency in insight would give me a leg up when I'm investigating the sketches for any further context clues that may lead to an answer. Nice. I know this is weak sauce. But I could at least investigate while making it look like I'm, you know, just looking at her sketches. That's all I've got. I was going for a minus one. Okay, this is looking really bad for you. Here's what I got. I leave my talking axe under his bed after my most recent time of, you know, hanging out, spending the night. And I leave him there for a few days. When I go back on another date, I get him and I see what he found out. If he got any dirt about the tabaxi talking in his room. I use my plus six to Arcana to determine what I can deduce about said dirt. Then... I gather all the information I have up until this point, and I use my plus six to performance to serenade him with a beautiful song that I claim came from my childhood, but really I'm just singing about the details of his con. Wow. Far yep. smoother than my extremely logical approach. You know what one of my favorite weapons is? Uh, I don't care. The war pick. Because oh. it's like a hammer and a stabby at the same time. You know, best of both worlds. So why don't you just stand up right here in front of me and give me, like, a really sweet, like, Chris Angel pose. Like, you just finished your big magic trick and you're really proud of yourself. Because I, I want to hate you as I drive this thing into you, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, like this. Yes. Oh, that's awful. Okay, here we go. Oh, dude. Oh, I really think oh, you actually hit oh. a vital organ there. Oh. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Oh. Um. Uh, are you okay? Oh, um, oh, all right. Oh, you know I what? threw up. Oh my, that's blood. Oh. All right. No, we're good. 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 <laughs> you could say I'm spitting fire now. What do you got? What do you got? Oh God. So my spitting fire is I use one of my soul arts called tether. Tether is once I cast it upon the person, they can't move more than 60 feet away from me. And since a grave warden is all about fighting ghosts, I'm going to tether this fool to me and then find some ghosts to fight. And either he's going to have to fight too, or he's going to have to talk real soon. That's my spitting fire. That's pretty, pretty good, man. Uh, pretty good. Uh, right. you cool? You cool? Uh huh. All right. Listen here. The Deepwalker Arachne. They're a variant of the Arachne that have the almost translucent white skin and pearlescent blue eyes. For those of the listeners that are patrons, it's kind of like that yabby larva that I made in the Monster Lab one time. Remember that? Oh yeah, that thing was annoying. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was good. So I would <laughs> gaze into the tabaxi mage's eyes with my beautiful... Oh. That's more blood. With my beautiful blue eyes, and I would sing her a lullaby as we laid in bed watching a rom-com like arachnophobia. When she dozed off to sleep, I would use my proficiency in weaver's tools granted to me from the Deep Walker archetype, and I'd weave her into the bed in a web so that she couldn't leave. Oh, I oh man, this is good. Hey, no, no, come on. I need to sit down. I need to sit down. You, you're bleeding would, on my creepy idea folder. Oh, I would slowly interrogate her over the course of days, taunting her by catching other creatures in my web like a small boblin child, and then I would just eat it in front of her making sure that the blood strings from my venomous and numerous teeth. As she grew increasingly more hungry and thirsty, I would be sure to hang above her watching for the moment that she falls asleep using my plus seven in arachnobatics. Once she <laughs> passed out, I would pull one of her hairs out, being sure that I was hanging upside down just a couple centimeters from her face so that she would never want to go to sleep. And then she would either crack and give me the truth or I would eat her. Either way, I win. Oh. That is like a twisted version of the Spider-Man kiss. I win, right? You definitely win the spitting fire. All right, so get it together, get a weapon, and come at me. You know, I, I'm i pretty good with this great axe. I once chopped the guy's head off with it. I'm you pretty good with it. You did. Are you going to chop my head off? Because, I mean, this is supposed know, to be man. for fun. Yeah, I'm coming. Here we go. Yeah. Oh! oh. Are you all right? Oh. That's my leg, man. Go on. Let me, go over, the, let me go over the X-Factor. Oh, God. Oh, God. There, Darren Kenny, I love this class. I really had a hard time not listing all the cool stuff that comes with this class in later levels, so I'll do it now. 11th level, killing blow. You take a minus 5 penalty to the hit, and you get a d6 die added to the damage roll. And then at 13th level, huge control. Disarming strike. If you hit a creature, they must make a deck saving throw of 6 plus proficiency plus your dex modifier in order to hang on to their weapon, otherwise they drop it. At 17th level, evasive maneuver, you use a reaction on a successful hit against you to lower the damage by your dex modifier plus proficiency. <sighs> you get more reactions. You get more reactions as the as the game goes on. And then it's such a fun take on a melee class. It's you know, it's a highly tactical battle master like me, you know? And I just love the flavor that's baked into this. I also really, really enjoy what Darren did with the reactions. Like I said, I just I wanna play this class. I wanna bring it all the way up to level twenty and I also think the Arachne race is a lot of fun. It's $3.99 on DM's Guild. It's called Arachnid Options. And uh, Darren Kenny's Duelist is available for pay pay, pay what you want. Bud, listen. Technically, you won this episode. This didn't really work out for you, so I want you to know. If you die right now, I will personally pull this spade out of my butt and dig a hole for you. All right? You're going to be buried in this lab like all the other ones. Darren and listeners, but mostly Darren. Darren, I love the Grave Warden. This is so much fun. Guys, if you've ever watched the anime Bleach, or if you just like the idea of samurais fighting ghosts, because that's what that anime is about, the Grave Warden is for you. It's got other subclasses that I didn't touch on, some that really focus on the soul arts. Great stuff here. The awakening your blade, having a special blade, always makes the character feel more special when the weapon is more special too. So that's what he did here. And he encourages you to create your own abilities and go over them with your DM as to what your specific blade would do, because that would make it more about you. Dan, nope. All right. 
So we hope this episode has enticed you to check out Darren's work and follow him on Twitter at Delenia Creation. For what's to come from this fine fellow, he's got a couple of things that he wanted us to mention that you can expect from him, including an occultist class, which is a dark spellcaster that uses the power of their coven, a transforming familiar, and great coven allies. He's got a post-apocalyptic RPG fantasy setting called Fallen Worlds, and he's about to be releasing a new 5e weapon collection and fighting system called Arsenal. So seriously, guys, give Darren a look. Check out the work that Dan used this week, and check out the Breland Region Guide. If you love Lord of the Rings and you haven't seen Adventures in Middle-Earth content yet, this is all for your 5e game. It's very setting-specific, but it can be easily blended into what you're currently playing at home. Cubicle 7 puts that out. The link is in the show notes. Fantastic, beautiful work there. And Dan... I'll just, I'll wrap up the episode. Okay, bud. And next week, we are stoked to be featuring a beautiful book called Gods and Goddesses by a company called Jetpack 7. This is a 99-page book that draws from deities in our real-world mythology, like Anansi, Freya, Shiva, providing 32 new subclasses for clerics and paladins, and we will be building from that. So come tune in next Wednesday to see what we build. Until then, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. I just saw San Papa. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, but before you go, we want to direct you over to DMs Guild. Chances are we used content from a very talented creator on DMs Guild this week that is undoubtedly the one-stop shop for all DMs and players, even just lore-loving readers out there. Dan and I have even tried our hand at written content as well with a few fun products you can download for a buck or less. If you're a caster, check out Microbes of Malice for spells and feats that will give you a sickly edge and infect your enemies. Lovers of weird homebrew races should definitely check out Denizens of the Beastlands, where we wrote playable races for anthropomorphic rhinos, giraffes, and more, along with five new subclasses for barbarian, rogue, paladin, cleric, and monk. If you're a DM, then you need to go see our best-selling supplement, Wrong Rests, that gives consequences for strange long rest spots players may choose, such as, I don't know, a dungeon or on top of a mountain. And in just about anyone can enjoy Wombo's Guide to Combos with 27 new abilities we made up by just combining existing different abilities and traits and letting two players team up to do incredible things. We had fun creating this stuff and plan for more in the future, and you can get your previews by following us on social media or becoming a patron. Dan and I are running this entire thing by ourselves. We are available on Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab. These are both great places to see what's coming out of the lab, interact with us, and watch us gush over content we found. So give us a follow, and until next week, thanks for being a listener. Peace, love, and point by. Y'all ready for this? Okay. Nope, cut that out. Hold on. Just... Oh, I'm keeping that. Nope! <laughs> Y'all ready for this? I, you know what else I kept that I really loved? Was that, uh, I'm gonna give you a tune-up later. <laughs> it sounded so creepy. It did, it did. My, my tone was odd on that.